volunteers, there's hundreds of them that serve here, and thank you, Dee, and everyone that's serving our children's ministry. So many great things happening there. It was Pastor Ruben's birthday on Wednesday. Big happy birthday to him. He's one of the leaders. He and Moses, Moises lead our worship nation, and he's a great gift to us going on 15 years here. What a blessing. Hey, uh, I'm continuing actually finishing a series on the monumental three, faith, hope, and love. Today, speaking on God's love never fails. Couple humorous things. Message Bible, Mama, I'm hungry. Amplified Bible, Mommy, I am hungry, famished, starving. NIV, Mother, I am hungry. King James Version, Henceforth, let it be known unto thee, birth giver, that my belly consists of emptiness. I posted this next one a few weeks ago with mixed results. Husbands, if your wife does something wrong, just explain how your mom used to do it. She will appreciate your advice and strive to do it more like your mother did. Tell me how that goes. My kid. <clears throat> I feel like you're always making up rules and stuff. Me. Like what? Kid. Like if I don't clean my room, a portal will take open and take me to another dimension. Me. Well, that's what happened to your older brother. The kid. What older brother? Me. Exactly. 1 Corinthians 13 closes with the summation of the previous verses by saying, Now abide these three, faith, hope, and love, and then... There's an elevation of the superior one of the three, love. And the greatest is love. So in the kingdom of God, the greatest virtue, the greatest grace, the greatest cultural dynamic is love. Love is the culture of the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about that today. Jesus in John 13 said this. He's bringing a kingdom, a new kingdom. And he's teaching about it. And he said, here's the culture of my kingdom, a new commandment I give to you. We think in rabbinic law, rabbinic Jewish tradition, there's over 500 laws. They would become from the Pentateuch mostly, but through traditions, they would be moral laws, spiritual laws, religious laws about pleasing God. And Jesus said, I got one rule. Here it is. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just like I have loved you that you also love one another by this love will all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another Jesus said the most attractive witness that you can be as a community of faith to any place in the world is to love each other the whole world is looking for a loving, healthy, holy, happy community of families and life and people. And the church has the chance to show them that community by our love for each other. Now we're called to love God, we're called to love the world. But Jesus said, hey, just love other Christians. Begin there, begin there. And if you will do that and do that well, it will draw people and witness and they'll say, we know they're Christians by their love, by their love. First John 4 says it like this, Beloved, let us love one another, 
For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that does not love does not know God, for God is love. Both John and Jesus and then the Apostle Paul all used a different word for love than was known previously. In fact, we think that Christ either adapted an unused word or created a word for love called agape. It's not found in history before the time of the church, before the time of Christ. In the Greek language, there's like a, it's a language of science and there can be a really specific meaning for things. Like in our language, we have one word for love, it's just love. It carries a broad and vast meaning of, of various things. But in the Greek language, there's a love for friendship. It's called philios, brotherly love. There's a family love, storio, the kind of love you have for siblings and other relatives. There's sexual love. And then finally, Christ shows up and said, none of those things mean what I have to show you. I want to introduce you to agape love. So agape love is selfless love. It is unilateral love. I love you. I don't care if you love me back. It is a giving love. Rick Renner, a great Greek scholar, came up with this really beautiful definition. He said this, agape is when a person looks at another person and sees so much value and beauty in that person, they then become compelled to love them. And so Agape means you see value in people, you see beauty in people, even when it's inobvious, even when it's not apparent, even when it's covered by sin. And the Bible says that God so agape the world, saw value and beauty in a sinful, fallen, rebellious world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in that son would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus is the proof of God's love for mankind. God loves sinners. God loves saints. The only difference between a sinner and a saint is one has come home and one's trying to make it home. And God loves people. And you want to be on God's side. Stop hating people. I lost people there. So God wants us to love each other. It's the kingdom of God. Love is the culture of the kingdom of God. Jesus said, if you do that, in fact, in the book of Romans, Paul said this, love is the fulfillment of the law. Every other commandment is satisfied by a living a life of love. All the other things are fulfilled by being a person filled with love. We're never more like Jesus than when we love people. Thank you, sister. 1 Corinthians 13 now gives us a beautiful biblical definition of agape in the previous 12 verses. Let's read it together. Verse 1 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not agape love, I become sounding brass or clanging cymbals. So just imagine me clanging a cymbal here, bang, bang, bang. It becomes an irritation. There's a discord to it. Without the symphonic balance of the rest of the instruments, it doesn't have beauty. And God says, I don't care if you speak in tongues. It means nothing to me if you're still gossiping in English. <laughs> so, it's, it's a beautiful thing. There's not a diminishing of the gift of tongues in this chapter. 
They're simply this. If you think you're spiritual because you have a gift, but if that gift is absent the presence of love, that gift means nothing to God. Verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, two important things, by the way, prophecy and faith, so that I could move mountains, but if I don't, but, but if I have not love, I am nothing. <laughs> My father unexpectedly have had a pretty exciting week. I don't know about you. Surgery last Wednesday, Tuesday night, night before surgery, my father unexpectedly and suddenly passed away at 86 years old. I appreciate the faith of my father. I had a wonderful time with him on Father's Day. I'm so glad on that Sunday we had that time together. Um, but my, my parents introduced us to prophets early. If there was a prophetic person in America, they came to our church here in New Life Chapel in Phoenix. And um, to me, it was good. It was good exposure. But, but there came to be kind of a pattern, especially in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, of prophets. And um, you couldn't find a prophet that, that wasn't harsh, wasn't rude, wasn't unloving, unpastoral, and, and, and somehow um, not, not very nice. And so... All the pastors would say about these prophets, well, that's just the temperament of a prophet. You know, like Jeremiah, like Elijah, you know, killing kids because they said he was bald. That's just a tip. And, and I'm like 13 years old. And I said, no, stop blaming bad behavior on a spiritual gift. That, that's not the temperament of a prophet. That's a temperament of a jerk. <laughs> I... I did a big uh, prophetic conference, and you know, they're waiting for, give us the secrets of prophecy. Here's the first secret, don't be a jerk. <laughs> don't be unloving and expect your gift to give you cover with God. God says, it means nothing to me if there's no love in you when that gift flowed from you. Ouch, faith, kind of important. Prophecy, kind of important. Next verse, verse 3. If I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, a good thing, by the way, twice in our lives, Mary and I gave away everything but our children. She's holding them back. You're not giving these kids away. Okay. And though I give my body to be burned, that would be martyrdom. But if I do not have love, it profits me nothing. Can you imagine dying as a martyr, but living a unloving... If you die as a martyr but lived an unloving life, your martyrdom did not mean anything to God. That's kind of an ouch. If you give away all your stuff but don't live a life of love, valuing people, honoring people, ah, means nothing to God. Okay. Now let's talk about the definition of love, what love looks like. Love suffers long. So love is long-suffering, it's patient, it's enduring. Love is kind. Well, Pastor, how can I be loving? Be kind to someone. You want to shock people in 2023 in America? Be kind. Come on, when you're ordering your Big Mac, be kind to the girl behind this counter. 
she's sorry. She's only making $8 an hour. Don't scream at her. Don't throw your coffee back. Don't, do, don't curse at someone. Don't get upset because things are taking you longer. Be, shock people with kindness. Shock them. Just, just an idea. Love does not envy. Love is not jealous of people. If you can't celebrate someone's success, it's because you're not walking in love. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Remember the, the puffer fish? Love does not behave rudely. Oh, God. I had a little dialogue with God uh, recently and I'm being challenged in my love life by politicians recently. Politicians that want to hurt children. They want to surgically mutilate children or chemically castrate children. Underage children. And my first instinct is, kill them all, Jesus. Kill them all. That the angels. And the Bible and God's lover. Is that really Christ-like, Michael? Can you love someone that you have a severe disagreement with? It's not that they're evil people, but that's an evil thing they believe. Can you love people even when they're wrong? Oh, yeah, I, I, I'll try to. But still, if you want to kill them, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I, 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 I had to work through some things. Our own governor here, our president did some things. And I'm like, what? There, there's no science in that. There's, what are they doing? What are they doing? They're after a generation of children. And I'm getting, I'm getting feisty. And so I'm determined to not hate people that behave hatefully toward me or that do things that I see as biblically immoral or evil. Now that's a challenge for Michael Maiden. Okay? But I'm going to win it. I'm going to win it. Well, I pray for them. I bless them. And I'm praying for you know, God to change hearts. Okay, okay, enough of me. Love rejoices in the truth. Love can bear anything, any burden, any weight. It bears all things. Love believes all things. Faith is easy to the heart filled with love. Love hopes all things. We'll read that in just a minute. Love endures all things. Love never fails. What a great example. So here's what love looks like. It's patient. One of the ways of looking at that verse, six of the fruit of the Spirit were just described as attributes of love. Galatians 5.22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, then joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, patience, self-control. So the fruit of the Spirit, singular in the Greek, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Here's what love looks like. It's joyous. It's peaceful. It's kind. It's good. It's faithful. It's patient. It's self-controlled. The attributes of love. Like one fruit 
with different parts of the fruit. So when I have love, I have access to all the other virtues of the fruit of the Spirit. So God says, my love is in you. Here's what Romans 5, 5 says. Uh, hope does not disappoint. I preached on that a couple weeks ago. Why? Because the love of God is poured out in our hearts abundantly through the Holy Spirit who's given to us. When the Holy Spirit moved in, he brought in heaven's love. And hope flourishes in the heart filled with heaven's love. Hope flourishes. You know your heart is healthy when it dreams again. It dreams again because love has healed its wounds. So God says, I'm going to help you understand here's what love looks like. Here's what love is a, a, a behavioral definition of love. And the culmination was, was this. Love never fails. Love is the atomic bomb of the kingdom of God. When you love, you win. When you forgive, you win. When you're kind, you win. When you're patient, you win. When you're not rude, you win. Come on. Yeah, be strong, just don't be rude. I'm not talking. Don't let, you, you can have boundaries and still be a loving person. You can be strong and still be kind. So, so God says, do these things. This is what love looks like. And love never fails. Amen? So, so we, we, have a, we have a chance to live this out, walk this out, be a part of it in our own, our own journey. Ephesians 5 verse 1 says this, As precious children imitate God, be imitators of God as dear children. You know, uh, this dedication of Sunday is always my favorite Sunday. We had the cutest kids ever. And one of the secrets about parenting is this. Children do what you do, not what you say. My beloved father who passed away 10 days ago, 12 days ago. So my first memory, this is, this is bad. I can say it now that he's dead. That came out bad. I can spill the beans, baby. No. The, my first childhood memories, maybe two and a half, three, were in Marshalltown, Iowa, where I was born, and my dad's not saved yet. He's sitting at the kitchen table with his friends. He's got a beer in one hand, a cigarette in the other hand. He says, Mickey, they called me Mickey. Mickey, come here. I came, you know, over there and he says, if I ever catch you smoking or drinking, I'm going to beat the H-E double hobby sticks out of you. <laughs> Everyone <just> laughing. <laughs> I looked at him. It seared into my mind what he was doing, not what he said. The children are great. They're like mirrors of who you are. Now, the good thing about having two people in a family is I can blame most of my kids' dysfunction on their mother's side of the family. I'm like, I'm, uh, it can't be my side of the family. We don't have any of that stuff. It has to be her side. If she wasn't such an angel, it might work, but, you know, it doesn't really work in our family. Yeah, sure, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Like, Mom? Mm. So God helps us in every part of our life live out this love life by imitating God 
How do we imitate God? Verse 2, Ephesians 5, 2. And walk in love. See, see, when you walk in love, you stay away from offense. A person that has determined to walk in love is a person you can't offend. Now, they can have righteous anger. They can have... But they will not live in a permanent state of offense because love does not allow it. Love does not permit it. Walk in love. The next part of the verse says this. Just like Christ who loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for his sweet-smelling aroma. God says, when you walk in love, you smell good. Amen. Brother in church gave me some Louis Vuitton cologne a few months ago. First thing I did is I Googled how much it cost. <laughs> Holy smokes, I should save this for my grandkids' inheritance. I should. And when I put it on, I, this is how shallow I am. When I put it on, I feel better. <laughs> Smelling that, yeah. yeah. When I walk in love, I smell like Jesus. Wow. That's a pretty good smell. An aroma. Last point. Loved people love people. Blessed people bless people. Love people love people. Healed people heal people. That's how it works. There's a negative side to it, but there's a positive side. The positive side, when you love people, there's power. So I have an obligation as a believer. I can't love you more than I am loved. Remember the commandment to husbands? Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. And the problem with men loving their wives is it's hard to love your wife when you hate yourself. And so the treatment of a wife really becomes a mirror of the identity of the man. Interesting. Romans 8 says this about God's love. Who, what can separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written, a rhetorical device is put in there. For your sake we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all of these things, these hurtful, negative, stress-filled storms of life, we are more than conquerors. Through Jesus who loved us. So to be more than a conqueror means he conquered and I received his conquest victory. And part of the victory of the conquest of Christ is living in the perpetual arena of his love. When I stay in love, I stay in conquest. When I stay in love, I stay in an overcoming spirit. Ah, next verse. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a sentence, what a promise, what a verse. Nothing has the power to separate you from God's love. So we have an obligation to live personally in the environment of the culture of the kingdom, which is love, because it empowers me to love. Pastor Nathan did a great job last week. I heard even talking about love. 
have an obligation to keep in love, experiencing God's love. When I feel unloved as a minister, I'm dangerous to other people. Why? Because the, 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 the toxic parts of that, that experience in me will come out through my ministry. I have an obligation to stay in the continual expression of knowing, believing, and receiving God's love. All of us do. All of us do. Okay? First John says this. In fact, let me read Ephesians 3 first, and then we'll talk about that. I pray, Paul's praying for the church at Ephesus. He prays this. I pray that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. What, what a sentence. When God's love is in me, God's glory is in me, God's fullness is in me. I have as much of God's fullness as I have as much as of God's love. Pastor, I want power. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can have power, but never have power without love. Why? You'll hurt people. You can have truth. Speak the truth in love. Truth without love always ends up in error. It misrepresents the heart of God. Any kind of ministry does without love. 1 John 4, continuing verses later on, the last verse, last verses this morning. We have known and we have believed the love that God has for us. We've heard about it, we've received it, and now we believe it. God is love. John uses three metaphors, three great pictures of this. He says God's light, God's life, and God's love. They're all the same thing. But he says, here's how it applies to us. It's love. The light of God is his love. That's who God is. All the other agencies, all the other virtues, all the other great qualities of God emanate from the core of his character, his being, which is love. Yes, he's righteous. Yes, he's holy. Yes, he's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He's everything the Bible says he is and more, but we, we know who he is from the Bible. And all of those traits are governed by the superior presence of the greatest controlling aspect of who God is. That's love. Thank you for one amen from this Presbyterian congregation. God is love and he that abides in love abides in God. When I stay in love, I'm staying close to God. Love has been perfected among us this way that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. So love, you have to get this, because when I was a boy, I answered um, like 122 elder calls. Like every evangelist, someday you will stand before God. And he will parade on a giant screen every sin of your life for the whole universe to see. And I'm like, I don't want that. I don't want that. So I got saved like 84 times to make sure. Because who, who, love makes me unafraid of going home. 
Number two, love makes me bold. Because I know his heart, I know his nature. And it empowers me to believe his promises and to represent his kingdom. Next verse. There is no phobos, no fear in love. But perfect, mature love casts out fear because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. I was, had my surgery last Wednesday, about a two-hour uh, surgery. And, uh, you know, I was... You know, I, I was all okay until they told me I would be awake the whole time. I said, what? I want the happy sauce. No, 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 no. We'll numb the area, but you'll be wide awake for two hours. Okay, so my blood pressure went up low. Huh. Surgery awake. So my doctor says to me, um, you feeling anxious? I said, a, a little, sir. He says, me too. <laughs> now, he, he has a sense of humor. Normally, I could laugh with him. I ain't laughing there. Oh, geez. That, that's funny, doc. I can't wait two months to laugh at this joke. He plays loud rock and roll music, and he sings to it while he's taking my eyeball apart. <laughs> and so I'm feeling anxious. I'm hearing things squirm around, lasers, and there's like eight people in the room, blah, 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 blah. Quick, quick, they put gas in my eyeball. There's still some gas there. So I got this bracelet, special gas bracelet. And I can't go, I can't go above 500 feet or something like that until the gas drains out. So, so, so I'm feeling anxious on the table and I appreciate everyone who prayed for me and, and, and because it's now, it's gonna be two hours and I'm gonna be stinking awake. So I took out the love bat and started pounding the hell out of my fear. Shut up, 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 shut up. Blood pressure go down. Peace, peace, rest, rest. I'm loved, I'm loved. Everything's going to be okay. And then he, he do something else. Love, <laughs> Quick, hand me this. I heard, I heard everything, every voice, every conversation, everything, every instrument, every laser, every sec. Yeah. So I had two hours to learn to conquer my fear. How'd you do? Bad. Bad. But I, I, a couple of things. God is never angry at us because we're afraid. He's compassionately sympathetic. You don't have to be afraid because fear torments you. So I, I think by the last 15 minutes, I'd, I'd won the battle. Of course, I suffered for an hour and 45 minutes. I finally, I finally won. I'm ready for the altar call and the closing prayer. It's good. It's over. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. And they said, okay, all done. Really? I just finally won. <laughs> Wilt me away. You know. thank, thank you, Mr. Rock and Roller. My... 
Um, just, just he's, he's a top doc, really a great doc. He did a great job. I'm not, I'm just, just saying it, uh, it was unusual. I don't know what life's going to throw at you. Had, had me an unusual thing. My father, who we talked for an hour on Sunday, he's great. He talked about all the ministry he wanted to do. He said, 86, I'm, I got 10 more years of ministry. Like, yeah, Dad, go for it. And everything changed. And, and I have surgery and everything. Life has these complexities in it. If we stay close to God, his love will always rescue us when we feel like we're drowning in anxiety, when we feel like we're suffocating in fear, when we feel like disappointment or discouragement was trying to grip us. I feel good. I feel better than I should feel after what I've been through. I know it's people praying and know God's grace and God's love. But I just want to tell you, whatever life throws at you, love's going to carry you through. The last thing is this. It's a lie in the culture that says the only way you can show someone love is to approve and affirm their behavior. No, you can love someone and completely disagree with what they do. Just make sure you don't hate them for doing it. And make sure you never feel you have to, you have to accept what they're doing. The, the, the culture is trying to bend the church into compliance. Accept this or else you don't love us. No, we, we love children too much to accept the horrible demonic strategy that you're unleashing against them. We, we love children too much. But don't be a participant in name-calling and assaulting the character of people. Address issues. Stay in love for people. I, I wish I could tell that to my, like, Reformed friends because every week I get, like, three rebukes, you know, coming from... They feel, a whole part of the body of Christ feels empowered to correct every false doctrine. Of course, they got more than the rest of us combined because they perpetually grieve the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I better stop. But they just don't get it. People don't listen to you when you attack them. People listen to you when you love them. You stay in their world and you help them get closer to Jesus. That's what I'm trying to do. I hope it's working some. Thank you for listening to me today. Please stand your feet. I think I want to be the rock and roll of pastor. <laughs> Prayer team, if you please join me down front. As we close today, don't forget to get your gift, your sunglasses, and your popsicle, and uh, huh, there's a photo booth, and just all, all kinds of fun stuff.
So my, my wife told me I can't complain about the heat. So sure as exciting as getting hot. Yeah, it's, it's just informing you, not complaining. Yeah, it's, she loves the heat. Yeah, pray for me. As we close today, the most important thing in life is knowing Jesus, is having the dynamic of a relationship with God through Jesus. That's why Christ came. That's the proof of God's love. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, we'd be so tremendously honored to pray with you. If you've been away from God, make today your homecoming Sunday. Make today the day you come back. If you need a healing in your body or your family or your world, or you're just maybe going through a great trial, I'm sorry you're going through that. I have, I have sympathy for you. But let someone pray for you. I had thousands of people praying for me. I felt like I was being carried the last 10 days. It was beautiful. Let someone pray for you today. Today as we close, if you need prayer, would you come join us for the things that I said, maybe something else. Just for 60 seconds longer, church, would you worship God with those seeking prayer come forward? There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. great 4th of July. Tell someone Jesus loves them like crazy. Don't forget your gifts. God bless you.